We're going to start here in 2 Kings chapter 13. Now, the verses of Scripture that we will read are on that paper, so you, you can take your Bible if you have it, or you can follow along on your paper. But we're going to end the, end the life of Elisha. We've been going through the life of Elisha on Wednesday nights, and tonight will be the last night. We will conclude the chapter of Elisha's life. Last week, we talked about what took place with Elisha and uh, how God blessed him and how at 80, 80 to 100 years old, he was on his deathbed and the king came to him for advice. And so now we are to the place where Elisha is dead. And uh, this is where we're at tonight, Second uh, Kings chapter 13 here and... Uh, Let's begin reading in verse number 20. The Bible says, hey man, good evening. You're good. You're good. It's okay. <clears throat> I take somebody come into church at, t- at five till seven, eight. I'd take that. All right. <clears throat> no matter what time somebody comes into church, it's better than not coming at all, right? All right. <clears throat> Verse number 20, the Bible says, And Elisha, what happened to him? He died. died. And they buried him, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming of the end of the year. Now, we're going to stop here for just a moment. We're going to talk about number one, point number one, and then we'll move to point number two. But let's talk about this for just a moment. So number one, the man in the cave, who is the man in the cemetery, the man that's been, the man that is dead, for just an instance, it is who? Elisha. Elisha. Okay? Now, what is so significant about that verse right there? And Elisha died. It's significant to know this. As the Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die. So every single person in this world, young or old, Every person, rich or poor, uh, king or prophet or godly or unrighteous or wicked or righteousness, a righteous person will die. It didn't matter that Elisha was a righteous man. He still had to die. It doesn't matter if you're a righteous man or you're a wicked man. You will face death. That is one day that is inevitable in every single person's life unless the rapture happens. We, if you're, if you're a born-again believer, you will not be here. You will be raptured out. So I, you, at that point, you will not necessarily have to, be, have to die and be put in the grave. So here we are, something that is inevitable. But I know this to be true as well. Not only is it... Is it true that we do all have to die? But this, that rest of that Hebrews verse nine, chapter 9 and verse number 27 says, is appointed a man wants to die, but there's something else that takes place after you die. But after this is the judgment. How I live on this life determines the judgment in which I will face. There are two different judgments that I can have. One is the white throne judgment. Now, I'm going to tell you this. There is not a Christian in this world that will ever face the white throne judgment. 
You say, what do you mean? Uh, someone who has asked Christ to be their Savior, someone who is a born-again believer will not go, will not have to go through the white throne judgment. The white throne judgment is for unbelievers, someone who never believed in Christ, someone who never put their faith in Christ Jesus for salvation. And at that judgment, the Bible says that he will say something to these lines, that their name is not found in the written in the book of life. He will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I know you're not. He'll cast them into hell. Now, understand at that point, that is the judgment that they have to face because they would not believe in Jesus Christ. Now, what is the judgment that I will face? The judgment that I will face is the judgment mentioned in 1 Corinthians, where he will take and judge my works. This is inevitable for every single person that is in this room that you will face one or two judgments. One, the white throne judgment, or two, the, th- the works-based the works judgment. You say, what do you mean, my works? What have you done for Christ, which that's all that will matter? So, as the Bible says, that your works, for instance, I, I think of it kind of like, uh, have you ever seen a, um, an Old Testament way that they would set up an altar and they'd have a sacrifice? You ever seen something like that? Or uh, maybe you've seen a picture or you've watched a movie and you've seen a, a, an altar being built and then they'd set something on fire or they'd sacrifice the animal. This is how I envision it. Now, this is pure speculation, okay? But... How I envision it is the things that I've done, okay? So what have I done for the Lord? Let's just say um, I, uh, I handed out a track, all right? I uh, witnessed to people. I, uh, for years and years and years, I worked in junior church, and I preached to the kids every Sunday, every Sunday and every Wednesday. That's what I did. So guess what? That's going to be on there. And then the God's going to take my works that I did, and he's going to set them on fire, you're going to light them on fire. And they're going to burn. And what is left is what I will give to Christ. You say, what do you mean what is left? There are six building materials mentioned in 1 Corinthians. There are wood, hay, and stubble. What happens to wood, hay, and stubble when it gets, when it gets on fire? It burns up. It burns up. The other three materials that you can build with is... Uh, gold, silver, and precious stones. Now, what happens to gold, silver, and precious stones when it gets hot? Purifies. It purifies. It melts. It It gets better. Mm -hmm. You know, when they want to get, when they want uh, gold to get more pure, right? They'll, They'll heat it up to get rid of the impurities to make it stronger and better. Um, our works will be one of those six. So after, okay, so the fire goes up, our works are tried, the fire is lit, and uh, the fire has gone out, and what is going to be left? If I, do, if, I, if I live my life and have uh, uh, hay, uh, wood, hay, and stubble, if all everything I've done is wood, hay, and stubble, what's going to be left for me to have right there on the altar? Ashes, nothing. There will be nothing left. There will be ashes, but there's ashes sustained to nothing. I mean, there's nothing left in ashes. You just wipe them away and they fly away in the dust, right? But if you have gold, silver, and precious stones after it's heated up, what's going to be left? Gold, 
silver, and precious stone. Now you say, well, how do, how do you judge my works? How is God going to judge my works? Those works are going to be based on why you did what you did. Why? What is your motive for what you did? Why you did what you did and what you did, that's what's going to be, that's what's going to be judged. You say, why are you talking about this? Because this day is inevitable. When Elisha died, the day would come when he was going to die, but the day will also come for Elisha that they will take his works and they will be tried just as well as my works. And so it doesn't matter what you do, when you do it, or how you do it. But ultimately, what you do for God is the only thing that matters in this life. He's not going to put up there and say, well, this guy made this much and this much and such and such. And he has this much in 401k and he's got this much over here and he's got this much over here. None of that matters when it stands before God. What Only what's done for Christ is what will last. Amen. And this is how we live our life today. If, let me ask you this. If today was your last day, would you be pleased meeting the Lord tomorrow? There's more that we can do with our lives today. Amen. There's still people that need the gospel. There's still somebody that is lost there's still somebody that needs to be preached to. There's still somebody that needs to come to church. There's still somebody out there that doesn't know Christ. Amen. Always. Amen. Our job is never done. And all the way up until Elisha's last breathing breath, what did he do? He prophesied. One of the last meetings he had was with the king that the scripture tells us about. And he prophesies to the king what he's going to do. What was he doing? Still doing God's work. Amen. Everything you do. God loveth a cheerful giver. Why do you give? Why do you go? Why do you tell this? Why do you work in the ministries? Why do you sing? Why do you play? Why do you, whatever it is, why you do what you do and what you do. You're not going to get, you're not, look, you're not going to get treasures in heaven if you don't do anything for Christ. Amen. You won't. Guess what? I won't either. Same way. God's not going to say, man, you, man you, he was a preacher. Come on. There he goes. Let's give him, a, his, let's give him an applause. I'm no different. I, ta- I told you that Sunday. I'm no different than anybody in this room. I'm a sinner just like you are. And look, I'm, I'm going to face the judgment. You're going to face the judgment just like everyone else. So not only do we notice that this day is inevitable. But also you'll notice in this verse, after they buried him, what took place? The Moabites did what? They invaded the land. What happens when the righteous man does nothing? The wicked will rule. 
When the righteous man was dead, what took place? What stopped the Moabites from coming? What stopped the Moabites from invading the land before was because earlier, if you remember, go back to 2 Kings chapter number 1, that, it, that Elisha helped defeat the Moabites at the beginning with the water and how he had the, had the water come flood the Moabites and killed a bunch of them. And they hadn't invaded the land since. But because Elisha was gone, guess what they said? Let's go down there and let's invade the land. Amen. Because the righteous man was gone. Stand true for God's word. Stand against sin. Look, <clears throat> I love every single person. And I don't, and I don't pick it. Well, I don't like that person because of what they do. Look, I love every single person, but I hate sin. And that's exactly how we ought to be. Elisha was a preacher of the gospel, but he kept the Moabites in their land. But when he was gone, here they came. But you will notice there, the Bible says at the beginning of the year, or at the, at the end, at the coming in of the year. Do you know what that meant? Jewish calendar was, was about April, was the brand new year start. And so they were coming in at the, that brand new time. Do you know what was happening in April? They were harvesting. Mm -hmm. The fields were widened to harvest. And so do you know what the Moabites were coming in to take? The harvest. So they were coming in to invade the land and take the harvest. You say, why is that important for us to know? Because when the righteous man was gone... Here came the ungodly. When the righteous man ceaseth, the ungodly will rise. That's what's taking place in government. That's what's taking place in churches because the righteous are not standing up and standing true and being true to God's word and being true to what God has planned. When the righteous man ceaseth, that then the ungodly will rise. Anybody have any questions? Anybody have any thoughts? Yes. When we're raptured up, that's what's going to happen to work. Righteous will be taken out, and uh, Satan will be allowed to be in control. That's right. That's yes, right. ma'am. Um, I know Facebook is up on anymore. But anyway, people put the stuff on there. And I said, if you, if, you, if, you, if you like this, then get off my phone. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to say that? You won't have any audience. You know, yeah. You're going to say that. You won't have any audience. Right. Right, right. It's, I don't understand, the wicked, sometimes the, the, uh, the thoughts of people, you know, they're, they don't want uh, certain things being said. Or uh, Today, especially in this generation, they wear their, uh, uh, what do you call, their, their feelings on their, on their sleeves, you know, immediately they're your generation, right? Yeah, uh, offended easy. I'm sorry. Don't get offended back there, Derek, because uh, I'm calling you down. But look, I mean, that, that's the way it is, you know. <laughs> Amen. 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 You're good. But it's true. It's true. Anybody else? Thoughts? Questions? All right. Right, right. Well, I mean, it's true. If we don't do anything, then who will? If we don't stand for truth, then who will? 
If we don't, if we don't preach the truth, then who is going to preach the truth? Who is going to, to help those that are lost? Who is going to do that if we don't? <laughs> but even as a church, even as a church, look, if you don't do it, well, someone else will do it. Look, mo- they say, they say that 80% of the work, 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people. You ever heard that before? That shouldn't be so. Every one of us ought to be working together, praying together, passing out those tracts together, working in every facet that you can. Hey, look, uh, you say, hey, come to me and ask me about, uh, uh, hey, can we do this? Sure, let's do it. Let's, let's work together. Let's reach the lost. Uh, there's things that we need to do that, uh, to, to, to attack Satan and uh, the work of the devil. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're on a team, a team together, uh, is better than us being single-minded. Yeah. Well, two is better than one. Amen. 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 All right, anybody else? All right, number two, let's look at the miracle. What, what takes place here? What takes place here in the grave? Well, look, and it came to pass in verse number 21, as they were burying a man, that behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Eli- Elisha. Stop for just a second. Do you know what was taking place? The Israelites were burying somebody who had died. Somebody who had just, who had just died. They were burying him. They were trying to bury them. And then all of a sudden, they looked over their shoulder, and they saw the Moabites coming. They didn't know what was going on. They were like, what? Is this so they hurried and they saw the grave of Elisha? They said, Well, let's just throw him in there and we'll come back and get him. We'll hide until they pass and then we'll come back and get him. But look what it will look what takes place when they throw that body in there. And the Bible says, And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up. On his feet. What took place when the old dead body touched the bones of Elisha? He jumped up out of that grave. He said, Woo, I'm alive. It revived him and he was dead. Can you imagine being there? Like, uh, what's going on? Did he have an arrow in his body? I mean, did he get shot by the Moabites? Was he, was he injured because of war? Or did he die just because he was old? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But can you imagine the stories in which they told? Look, man, we were throwing this guy in his grave one day. And we went, to, we went to throw him in the grave and we saw the enemy coming. He said, so we saw this other grave and we pulled it back and we, we threw the body in there as fast as we could so we could get out of there. And all of a sudden, he come up out of that grave saying, well, wait, wait for me. I'm going to hide with you too. <laughs> That's quite a miracle. <laughs> God wasn't done with Elisha when he oh, put he him was. in that ground. Oh, he wasn't. The miracle in the grave. That's it. That's all the Bible says about it. Verse number 22 goes on. That's it. Those two verses. 
Now you say, what is the importance of this story? Now God's not done with you. God wasn't done with Elisha when he died. And guess what? God's not done with Elisha now. Because guess what we're doing today? Learning from who? Elisha, a man who's dead. I don't know how long Elisha had been gone, but I know that he had bones. So he, his body had deteriorated for a little bit. So there were bones in his grave. Now they probably didn't embalm somebody like they do now and preserve like they do now. But ultimately he hadn't been in the ground too long or he had been for a while and the animals or whatever had, uh, had gotten to his, uh, his body, the bugs or whatever in the ground. I don't know, but there were bones I don't know how long he had been there. But when the body hit the other, when the body hit Elisha's, he jumped up out of that grave. I want to tell you something else. To me, that's a miracle. Wouldn't you agree? That's definitely a miracle. Well, I'm going to tell you, the greatest miracle that's ever had taken place with me, when this dead bones touched the bones of the Lord. You say, what do you mean by that? There was a day I was dead. I was dead in my trespasses of sin. And I knelt. I remember kneeling beside my mama's bed, 1998. And I remember kneeling there and praying and asking God to save me. That day, guess what took place in my life? That dead body was revived. <laughs> And guess what took place? The day you got saved, that dead body revived. And God gave you new life. Amen? Amen. If you've never done that, if you have never had a moment when you prayed and you asked Christ to save you, then there's never been that moment when your bones, your dead bones came alive. Amen. And he revived. Uh, it's, it's a miracle. But I'm going to say this, it's a miracle when you and I bow our head and trust Christ as our personal Savior. Have you ever done that? Have you? If you have, then you have a testimony to share. You might not be able to say, well, preacher, I can't remember the day. I can't remember the exact date. I can't remember the date that it happened. But I remember the day. Anybody like that? I can't remember the year. You remember the, you remember the day you got saved? But you can't remember the year? If you can't remember the day and you can't remember the year, maybe you've never had a day. Because I remember the day. My dad tells me when he got saved, he was a young boy. He was laying in his bunk. And uh, he remembers where they were living at. He remembers that his mama come to him, talking to him. And he remembers bowing his head and praying. But he has no idea how old he was. He has no idea what year it was because he doesn't exactly remember. But he remembers the day. Every person in this room, if you can't remember the day, you can't remember that moment when you said, Dear Lord, save me. I don't know what the words... I don't know what the words were that you said. I don't know how you said it or when you said it or, 
or the day that you said it, but you need to remember. You say, that is a special day that Christ saved you. You may not even remember the hour that it took place or the specific day that it took place, but you remember that moment when you bowed your head and trusted Christ. And you can't. Maybe you need to ask yourself the question, have you ever asked Christ to save you? Anybody have any thoughts or questions before we close? Anybody want to share the day they got saved? You, you remember it was on a Wednesday night yeah. at church or yeah man you remember you remember the day you remember what you had on amen no she does she does you don't remember the dress you had on God help if you had a dress on son amen a Sunday morning amen amen anybody else a Wednesday night. I think it was on a Saturday night. Amen. It was at a friend's house. At a friend's house. And they, um, and we, I mean, I suppose we got saved. Amen. 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 Yep. Amen. That's good. That's good. Anybody else want to share? If not, no big deal. I just ask. Speak up. Speak out. Or shut up. Don't share. I'm just kidding. Anybody want to share? Anybody else? Okay. You say, why? You need to remember the day. Because it was a great day when God saved me. He didn't have to. I remember the day my, my father got baptized. Yeah? That's one of the best days of my life. Amen. Down the, down the and get saved? Amen. 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 It's good. It's good. All right. Anybody else? Well, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you for letting us be here together tonight again.